Welcome to the Conduit Deeper Podcast, a podcast that takes a deep dive into the details that surround our current sermon series. From current events to fascinating finds to conversations that take us deeper into the Word. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to our Deeper Podcast. My name is Mo, Executive Pastor at Conduit Church, joined with our lead pastor, Darren Tyler. And we want to ask for your forgiveness because we didn't have a podcast last week. Well, it's Christmas. It was Christmas. That is true. That is true. So we took a little bit of a holiday. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it was like their gift to us. Yes. We appreciate that. So instead of apologize, we're actually saying thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the gift. Yeah, you know, because I'm listening to some a couple of my favorite podcasts, and like one guy was like, uh, "We'll make this announcement that uh, the next episode will be January 18th." I'm oh, like, we should have done that a couple weeks ago. <laughs> but I'm thinking, like January 18th, it's like 2020. What are you doing? That I got to wait. So I deleted that podcast. Oh, I was wow. so offended and incensed. Yes. I'm like if you can't give me an episode till January 18th, then you will be now replaced by uh, some random BBC or who knows what it was. Well, we're we're learning maybe how we can uh, maybe record these in advance and, and schedule fairness. them out. Let's so you know we're getting there, but this time for this week, we uh, we spent some time, spent some time with our families, and it's that it's that kind of that fun time where you're between Christmas and New Year's. Yeah. So things are kind of, I would say they're kind of relaxed and chilled out. But yeah, but this is 2020. This so. <laughs> is not true. <laughs> no, I was uh, actually I was thinking about it. Um, so this time in our former lives. Was generally yes. we would lay low a little bit, and then you get on the road because these big youth conferences. Totally, and, and I think that's probably what I'm referring to is yeah. remembering that time frame of just yeah. kind of laying low. There was no real tours, nothing major. But this year, like 2020, was that for our friends in the music world? I yeah. was uh, Scott Dawson, who does a yeah. giant event every year. In in fact, God, true Birmingham. story, 100 true story. Scott Dawson, okay, one of my favorite uh, redneck Republican Bible guys. He's just a great guy. <laughs> Um, got Con- Kanye came to his event That's last year. Right. Did you know that? Yeah, yeah. Remember when the Kanye he came to his youth event? I was like Winterfest and Gallon. Yeah, yeah. Like Cutlass used to play that, but we got Kanye last year. But but he had to like shut down the whole thing this year because of uh, some of these numbers. So yeah. we're all kind of laying low. So maybe this is our gift to you who are traveling home uh, yeah, from Christmas. Some of y'all are, are going to be driving great distances. I know I got in a couple of long podcasts on my drive back from Charleston, Charleston, South Carolina. We were yeah. there with the kids. Did you dip your toes in the in the water of the Atlantic? You know that's funny. You would say that because I'm kind of. I just realized uh, we did not. I, mean, I literally. <laughs> I was, know it would have been cold, but you're all the way. You drive well, all the way there. I know, and we stayed there. Like I was within inches of it, but we didn't actually do that. We did set up uh, on the beach with a uh, fifty dollar National Geographic. Uh, telescope to, to look at oh that's right at the, at the christmas star that's right and at one point i wish we could have figured out how to do the iphone picture somehow we had focused it in wrong and i swear i'm not making this up ethan and shannon can verify this it looked like the death star we had focused it i swear so we're like wait a minute what, what maybe the christmas star is the death star and oh wow yeah, then we realized we had just focused it wrong so that didn't um matter at all so no we did not put our feet in the water we walked along the water we were near the water. In the beach. On the beach. Yeah. It's my wife's happy space. She likes the beach. Well, the one thing that we ended up getting for Christmas was a white Christmas, actually. We went to Ohio. Yeah, well, that's your fault. And, well, you know, I mean, if I'm going to go to Ohio, if I'm going to go back home, uh, I, I at least want to get a white Christmas out of it. 
And you got and one. And we got one. Right. It, you know, it was probably a half inch of snow at the most, uh, but everything was white, and we, we played some football out in the snow, and uh, it was bitter cold Arctic weather that we don't usually get down here in Nashville, so it reminded me of my childhood a little bit. It was nice. It was actually a really good trip. Yeah, and you, you got to see the family. So, like, in the, like your Quick whole trip. family is, like, right there, right? Whole family. So, my, my family and my wife's family. Actually, my wife and I grew up um, probably less than five miles from each other our entire lives and didn't meet until we were 18 years old. But both of our families are, yeah, all in Dayton, Ohio, in the middle of nowhere. Which is... But uh, used to be in the middle of everywhere. About 50 years ago. But now it's, I mean, hillbilly elegy, right? Are your parents hillbillies? No. Careful, they might be listening. No. My dad does sometimes. Hi, Dad. Um, it, not in the traditional sense. Are they hillbilly adjacent? <laughs> uh, maybe. Probably. I mean... But descendants of y- hillbillies. Yeah. Yeah. So, So where my folks grew up is actually exactly where... Hillbilly Elegy uh, was written about. If you, those that are not familiar, this is a really popular book. Was it a bestseller, right? Yeah. Um, that came out this past... Almost a year and a half ago, two years ago years. now. Yeah. Hillbilly Elegy. And then Netflix has kind of made it famous again by putting together the movie. Um, and so anyways, it's filmed in Middletown, Ohio, and that's where it's based out of. And that's where my folks are from. And so Middletown was also kind of known as Middle Tucky. <laughs> Everybody used to say that. It's just basically northern Kentucky. It's it's about a half hour north of Cincinnati, right across the river. And so there's a lot of hillbilly-esque uh, uh, habits and phrases and culture that still is there now. And by habits, whatever you're speaking of, like someone's grandma who can cuss out a highway patrolman without the cigarette ever leaving her mouth. Oh, absolutely. Right. Yeah. yeah that was, so that book was recommended to me by, um, I guess I'll just say it, it was by Dave Ramsey. Cause he says, you're yeah. kind of a redneck, oh, wow. uh, which I, I, th- I said, thank you. But then I realized, I'm not sure that was a compliment. Um, but then I realized it was cause he's, he says, I'm a hillbilly. So he, you know, yeah. uh, so anyway, I read this book and I was like, okay, I don't know. I'm from Nebraska, but I feel like some of the hillbillies, Made it to where I'm from. We called her. I mean, I know this sounds pejorative, but it was me. Where it's like white trash. Like that's who yeah. we were. And we used to play white trash bingo. I swear, I'm not oh, making this no. up either. No, no. So, so what you, when you're driving through, you try to um, make up an entire living room set or kitchen set by furniture on the front porches of people's houses when you're driving through these uh, small towns. <laughs> so if you you get like bonus points for bathtubs. Oh my word. But if you could complete like a living room set, that was like uh, white trash bingo on your, that's uh, amazing. Yeah. And it worked. You, especially you got into Missouri, man, you could like rock in that. You could get like multiple bingos, but yeah, that was, uh, I, and Shannon and I did not get to go uh, that direction. And thank God, because they got uh, hammered with snow. We were, Oh really? Yeah. So we were, you know, I can't even tell you how many times we would have to white knuckle race out of Nebraska or North Dakota because a blizzard was coming. And like when they got snow, you would get like, you got to stay there a little while. Right. Oh, of course. So no, we hung out and we did hang out in Charleston. You guys got to Ohio, but now we're all back here into the quiet of, uh, of middle Tennessee between, yeah, between Christmas and new year. Yep. And we hit a milestone last Sunday in that we finished the book of Revelation uh, at Conduit, which anybody that has been around me for any length of time knows that us knocking out 
uh, revelation in six months uh, was a, was nothing short of a of a miracle. It is actually a modern day miracle because we we did the book of Mark in fifteen months. Yeah, and so to go through yeah. a book like Revelation in six, yeah, pretty impressive. But that's you know what? Thank you to the deeper podcast well, that's listeners because that's how we were able to do it. Yeah, we so weren't the, trying to get it all out on a Sunday morning. It's the release valve. Yeah, we joke that this is the modern day Wednesday night service. You guys, yeah, anybody listening to this, I promise you, we, we say, hey, we're going to start doing Wednesday night, and people will even say, when can we do like a Wednesday night Bible study? That's one of those things that sounds great on paper, and then nobody shows up. So this is uh, our modern Wednesday night Bible study. Yeah, uh, it's true. Which means whether you listen to it Wednesday morning or Thursday night, or some of y'all you've been listening to these episodes like month after we release them, which is totally fine. But that's how we were able to knock it out. And yeah, that's good. Uh, and I was excited because it was, you know, the last words of the Old Testament are a curse. Malachi chapter four. He's like, man, there's a curse coming on you. There's a curse for the law. You know, the curse. And the last words of the New Testament of Revelation twenty-two verse twenty-one is grace. The grace of the Lord Jesus uh, be with you. Yeah. And chapter 22 actually starts with the idea that there will be no more curse in heaven. So uh, chapter 22 is actually the idea that Eden is going to be restored. Um, and write uh, it right there in those first few verses, and there will be no more curse. Like the curse will be gone. So the curse of Malachi 4, the curse of Genesis 3, all of that will be gone. And so... Part of me wants to do like a six-month series just on Revelation 22 because I yeah. feel like that's what we're all longing for right now. Oh, for I mean, sure. We've been, Mo and I have been having our uh, politics conversations this week as far as the election. I don't even know if you call it politics anymore, like Wild West conversations. And, you know, I was like, because th- there's these important dates coming up with the election. Yeah, there really are. And I'm I'm kind of at this point, and I know I don't speak for everybody, so... Forgive me if this is out of line or whatever, but I'm kind of like done. Republican, Democrat, like the whole thing. I'm just mm-hmm. done. Mm-hmm. Um, this bill that they passed to give everybody a $600 check like a couple of weeks ago, which was probably just enough to buy the going out of business signs that they would need. Right. Um, and now apparently last night it's a $2,000 checks. You got rejected today. Did it get rejected today? Back to 600 So 600 like which is like... Is that including all this other crazy stuff too in this, or do they they do they get that out of there? Like, no, it's all together still. I mean, they're they're literally debating it on the the floor as we speak. Um, so, what is today? Tuesday, the twenty ninth. When you're listening to this, they're literally um, debating this on the house floor right now. But as of an hour ago, um, it got rejected. The two thousand dollar portion. It's back to six hundred. So it knows the two thousand dollar portion. Is that in addition to we're going to send one point five billion or whatever it was yeah. to Pakistan for yeah. gender studies or like yeah, that's still all in that's there. still all still all in there still all in there. Yes, yeah. I and the six snakes. The six hundred por, por, portion. What will be different this time than last time um, is that last time, if you remember, we all got a little bit of a a bump. I forget when that was. What month that was? It's all a blur now, um, but. The difference this time is that the chi- our children are eligible, um, so a family of four would then get 
So, 2400. So my 15-year-old son should not be told this, by the way. Correct. You might I, want to withhold that the information. The pair of Nikes <laughs> that he would want to buy with his $2,400. I, I guess what I'm just befuddled by is... So this is everybody, right? So there's yeah. 300 and some million people in America and everybody's going to get, whether it's $600 or $2,000. We're 10 months in. Is it not possible that we could say, hey, because you know, you and I, we didn't lose our job right. during this. Thank the Lord. We, were, we did not. So why are we getting a check hmm. when restaurant workers in California have got, uh, who are desperate right now? People in, in, a, in Tennessee who are desperate right now. We have, we have musicians in our church right now Absolutely. that have been out of work since March. Yes. So why in the world is it is our is our government that this is a rhetorical question. Are they that incompetent that they can't figure out who's actually in trouble and who's not? And the answer short answer is yes. Yeah. How do you get it into the hands of those that desperately not actually need it but desperately need it? And that's part of what I'm looking at with Revelation 22 because I'm realizing what I want I think like when I call them snakes, which is, I don't know, maybe that's over the line, but it's, I was from a shallow place in my heart, but man, it just feels, um, maybe what it feels like is a snake in the garden. <laughs> it right. feels like the curse. Yeah. You're cursed as a snake to crawl along the earth and just eat the dirt like that. It just feels like that whoever we get into an office and I, I'm old enough, I'm 49, I'm going to be a half of a century in hmm. just a couple of months. But I'm old enough now to remember the government lying to me. Sure. Right? Which was back in May, June, July, right. December. But yeah. if you remember, like over the years, like there have been major, like it's not like that's brand new information that that could happen to us. Sure. Um, I mean, that, that's that been happening for since there were governments. Right. And when I think about 2021, what I'm wanting is apparently Eden. <laughs> I mean, I want the government not to lie to me anymore. I want the the king to be someone who tells us the truth and who knows. And and if there's anything, I mean, I remember I was so, I was, I was very genuinely excited when Bush won back in 2000. Um, I remember the hanging chads. I mean, the whole thing. Right. And then, you know, they spend the next eight years spending uh, like a bunch of like Democrats. Like they're spending like they, the ones they said they were there. And then the Democrats come in, they spend like the ones that were. Yeah. And you look back over these last four years and it's the exact same thing. They're just spending, spending, spending. Our kids are being saddled with uh, literally unimaginable debt. So I, I'm saying I'm angry about it. And I'm reading Revelation 22 going, OK, maybe that's what I'm angry about is that this side of heaven, whether it's our government Afghani government, Iraqi government, Israeli government. I mean, good Lord, the Israeli government right now is like locking their yeah. people down again. That we're going to be, as long as my hope is in a government, uh, that I'm, I, I'm going to be continually frustrated and angry because we're just going to keep coming back here again. Yes. Yeah, we're going to keep circling back to this same no matter what side you're on here. And, and, and the fact that there's even sides is even more frustrating because that's what they want you to do is to choose a side. But when you zoom out and see the bigger picture, I mean, that's just it. Like this, is, this isn't going away. Yeah. Um, this is part of the world that we live in. So Sunday I talked about um, those last few verses of 
Revelation 22, 21, and it says that the grace of our Lord Jesus be with you, um, be with all of God's people, which would be us. And as I was reading that, I was, I was thinking, okay, if I got, if I'm whatever, I'm the church at Ephesus, I'm the church at Smyrna, like, would I be changing the page, like flipping the page when, hey, wait, oh, there's got to be one more. I must be missing something because where's the part where I'm not going to be persecuted anymore? Mm. Where's the part where, yeah. like, I'm like, maybe, maybe it was like the United States Postal Service and it's just lost in the mail. Right. Um, but then, I, or, I don't know, I thought, that's obviously this is God's word. It's inspired. The Holy Spirit landed that for John for these seven churches, and that was this: that they, like these things are not going away tomorrow because we're in a Genesis three world. The curse is not going to go away until Jesus returns, and until then, mm-hmm. the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you is not just some like sincerely, Darren. That's the that's everything. Yeah, it's the final word, and I was. Uh, the, the angle that I really felt the Lord leading me on was remembering that when we got to the Himalayan mountains in uh, October, that we Last needed... Year. Yeah, yeah, 2019, like yeah. 10 years ago in 2019. <laughs> um, that we, had, we hired a guy named Pasong, who was a Sherpa, a mountain guide, that would take us where we were going. He didn't just give us a map or put the coordinates in, like send, like send us a pinned location on our iPhone. Right. We actually needed a guide to go with us because when you're hiking through the Himalayas, there are paths, but there are also other paths. And then there are some places where you just have to figure out your way through. There is no like highway, like I-24 from here to Chattanooga. Mm -hmm. Um, Here's your map. Like we're going to have to figure this out. And the only way you're going to make it through that is to have somebody that knows those mountains, knows them. Because they've been through there before. Yes. They live there. Like that's, they can see it because they've been to it. Yeah. And that's what uh, a Sherpa, that's what Pasong does. And that's what the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ will do. Yeah, that's really good. For us, right? So in 2021, I was thinking through, okay, there's some mountains we're facing. Yes. Right? We didn't get to talk about this on Sunday, but that's exactly what it is. Like there are mountains that are in front of us right now where there are no paths through. I mean, think back on this last year, Mo, like how many decisions that we had to make where we're just looking at, like there's no playbook for this. Yeah, it was the first time for a lot of things this year. It was a lot of firsts in yeah. the past 11 months. Yeah, like when you take it all the way back to that first Sunday in March, I had just gotten back from Israel. We were trying to figure out what's going on. Yeah. Everybody's freaking out. I was, we were all, because, you know, we didn't know. Yeah. And our first decision was, do we meet this Sunday or not? It was like March 14th or whatever yeah, that second for, Sunday yeah, early was. March. And I just thought, okay, there's no playbook for this. There's no turn to your chapter and verse of your Bible of whether you should meet this Sunday. Or anyone to call and ask, a Sherpa. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, we were all making it up. Like, I'm calling my pastor friends. Like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Like, I don't know. And we just felt like, well, here's what we feel like. The Lord wants us to come together this Sunday and pray. Yeah, yes, exactly. And I remember, and I've, I've mentioned this before, but I feel like the, it came into play in the spring was... This, this idea, this, this words to live by for me is when you don't know what to do, do what you know to do. Mm. And we mm. didn't know what to do in that moment, but we knew what we knew to do was to be together yeah, and pray and seek his face for wisdom. So that's what we did. Yeah. And we caught crap yeah. immediately. Yeah. People that were like, okay, Darren, I know you and I love you and I trust you, but this is wrong. This is crazy. You're, this is dangerous. You should not be doing this. I'm like, wait, I just thought we were getting together to pray. I didn't. Yeah. 
it, so it was, I was a little bit like, um, like my dog, uh, bear who went to the park, uh, we, there are these ducks, we call them Bob and Carol. I know this <laughs> <laughs> because they're always together. Have you been around condo? You know, Bob and Carol, they're together right now in the basement working on flooring. So we call them yeah. Bob and Carol. But, uh, but you know, one of these ducks is just super aggressive and just bit the crap out of, of, of Bear, our, our dog, dog Bear Yonsei. Uh, and Bear was like, I thought we were friends. Like, just completely right. hurt her feelings because I thought right. we were all friends. And suddenly she's getting bit right in the rear end. And I kind of felt like Bear. Like, I thought we were all friends. And suddenly we're getting bit. But we, that was the first of what would be a thousand decisions that we just had to take the information that we had and go to the Father in prayer and do what we knew to do. And because here's the thing, one of the things I learned this last year is if my guide, okay, if my Sherpa, so to speak, through 2020, and for crying out loud through 2021, if it's the culture, if it's the government, if it's Dr. Fauci, God bless him, then it's just going to keep changing on us. Yeah. We can't live that way if that's our guide. And so what we have done in 2020 probably... Sometimes right, sometimes wrong. Sometimes we just did the best we could with what we knew is what we're going to do again in 2021, which is to go to our guide, you know, the Holy Spirit, Jesus, the grace of Jesus, and make the best decisions we can. You know, because in, in 2021, like one of the mountains that's right in front of us right now is a mountain of, of mental health crisis. Like in 2021, like New Year's Eve, uh, 2020, we're going to, whatever, who knows, celebrate. Maybe we're all going to be hiding out. I don't know. Uh, but it's not like January 1st, suddenly this is all fixed. Yeah. Nothing like is going to be like that. And so in 2021, we're going into a place right now where, I mean, CDC report just today that the amount of opioid uh, overdose deaths is up 20% at least through this year. Already. Wow. It's um, a huge number. It is massive. It's tens of thousands of people. Wow. And that's just with opioid addiction. That does not include what's happening with suicide. It does not include the lives of people who are just the, the fear and anxiety and the mental and the emotional. Like that is a mountain right now where there is no turn right here, open this book right here, and you're going to make this decision right here. To make it happen, we desperately need the guide of Jesus to lead us through. And by the way, maybe your church is going to handle it differently, right? Like it's, I'm not suggesting that every church should do what we've done. What I am suggesting is every church better well be asking our guide, right? The grace of Jesus of how we're going to do this, how we're going to navigate these waters. Yeah, I think part of the navigation has been a little bit of a, uh, an awareness and a shift change of our role. You know, we're, we're privileged and honored, honored enough to be able to lead this ragtag group of people called conduit church. Right. <laughs> so we're ragtag is for sure. Yeah. The, the, this pastoring shepherding teaching. Um, but I also feel like it's been one part data analyst and data researcher as well. Like we've had to take on this role of analyzing data researching the information yes um which which people have these in different um parts of the marketplace you know what whatever your business may be but in the church world i feel like we've taken on this this role 
this responsibility of data analyst and data researcher yeah. to help give us clarity to some of these decisions. You know, when we've looked to what we've done in 2020, and I don't think it's going to change at all in 2021, was looking at the whole of this and mental health. I mean, before this ever happened, before there was a pandemic, we were already like sounding the alarm in our church family as far back as 2018, realizing it was the clean water uh, issue of our culture, drilling clean water wells in Africa to save lives. For here, we need to drain, uh, drill wall, oh, drill, drill wells of mental clarity and health in our culture. And the one thing that uh, that the curse did. Okay, you go back as far as Genesis, and the curse of sin created separation. And one of the things yeah. where mental health, mental anxiety, fear. All those things have their basis in separation, in rejection, in being abandoned. It goes as back as childhood. If I just do this, then you won't leave me. That's, yeah, that's good. if I'm ever going to tell that's you true. the truth about myself, then you'll leave me. Like that's what sin does. And in Revelation 22, that's going away. There'll be no more curse. The, the throne of God and the lamb will be in the city and his servants will serve him. Like it's, that separation will all be gone. I'll be together. Yeah. We're going to be there together, but for now, that's not it. And I'll tell you this, when I think about what the guide of the Holy Spirit, even what the Word of God would say, and, you know, doggone it, even what just common sense says, connection with each other, Mm -hmm. like that's not a failure. That's not something that we should be ashamed of needing and wanting. And any medical solution that says that is the only thing is at best like the cuban missile crisis the people that were telling kennedy the only answer is to bomb the soviets to go to war go to is the military industrial complex they only had one view which is bombing them it's the iraq war it's vietnam war and it is the epidemiological war yeah right we have virologists who are the equivalents of these war industrial war people on a virus saying this is the only answer to this and i'm you know I appreciate it when people say uh, you should not question an epidemiologist. They have training, and I'm, you know, I'm here to say, look, they have stepped into our territory now. Okay, they've made this a moral issue. Yeah, they've made this a social issue and a spiritual issue. That's my territory. Yes. That's your territory. Yes. So when you see Dr. Burks, you know, get busted because she went to visit her family, her ailing grandmother. Yeah, who were depressed. She said. Yes. Of course they're depressed. And so I don't begrudge her. I actually celebrate that she did that. I just wish that she would admit that her policy is myopic and is damaging to even not only her parents, but to all grandparents out there. And so I would say to, you know, Dr. Burks, uh, I'm glad you did that. And to all of you who went and visited your grandparents and visited your aunts and uncles and, and you know, who would have ever thought that Christmas with your family was an act of revolution, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> but it's just, that's what we needed. It's not that we're trying to fight the government. We're fighting for the health, the mental health of each other. Right. Uh, listening to uh, an interview, again, I had a long drive home from uh, Charleston, so I my wife went to sleep and I went to podcasts and I'm listening to these restaurateurs in California being interviewed by Joe Rogan. And they're talking about uh, the thing that this has done. First of all, they're talking about just the absolute insanity of Los Angeles and what's yeah. happening with a shutdown restaurants, but you can go to Walmart, whatever, by the way, same things we're saying as a church. Right. 
And the thing that they're saying to these guys, as far as I know, I don't know, maybe they're Christians, maybe they're not, but what they're saying is that one thing that a restaurant provided for people was the ability to connect with each other, mm-hmm. to be, to, whatever else is going on, we can connect over a meal. And I would say that the guide of the Holy Spirit would say to us at Conduit, would say to churches across the country, that whatever else we got to do, coming together across the table, right, of, of yeah. communion, of yes. fellowship with each other, of a Sunday gathering together, that that is not an interruption of our work. Like the, the, the mental health of our society depends on it. And if you're thinking, Darren, that sounds awfully convenient, I'm, the, the Gallup poll that I guess we could find the link for it that just was released before Christmas, mental health across America is down in every single category except one those who reported weekly church attendance and their mental health was up this year not down so when we come together as a church and look i'd ask you I mean, this is a fair question we had to ask this question mm-hmm. are we essential right. you know because if, if all we're doing really is good music and a good teaching that you can get that on spotify right so i agree but that's not essential and every church out in the world right now ought to be asking the same question. What makes us essential? Not, not the question of our religious rights and the Constitution. Those are absolutely fair conversations. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about what makes us essential. And one of them is the battle against uh, emotional depression, anxiety, giving somebody an outlet for that. That's, that's one of the mountains that we're going to be hiking in 2021. Yeah, continuing to hike. I mean, I I don't know what at what part of the mountain we're in. Like, are we at the base? Are we halfway through? I, I that's the, that's the other part that's <laughs> unnerving. Where yeah. are we in the hike? Like, yeah, you know, where's the where's the summit? Like, where are we at? And so, <laughs> yeah, it's just a matter of continuing to week at a time. One of the crazy things about hiking through the Himalayas is it's funny because I'm kind of remembering some of that now. The part of it that I got to hike anyway was, are we there yet? Right. Because we just went actually those last few those last few hours we were actually going downhill. Like oh no no you're still like in the base of this mountain like we're wow. still like we have you know. And when I uh, when we flew out of there uh, via helicopter I got this I got the big panoramic and realized mm, zoom out yeah okay we were. Like we were never going to make it. <laughs> like it was never. Like there was no hike from one part to the other. And it's such an example of what our this earth is. It is one long hike mm-hmm. through the mountains um, that one day we will be helicoptered out of. Right. That's what Revelation is about. We're going to get sucked out of here at some point. But until then, you know, are we going to hide? Are we going to just curl up in a ball? Or are we going to continue? Yeah, and that's forward? and I guess that's the encouragement is to to not curl up and just wait for the helicopter or wait for someone to come along. Like there's, there's you, you can, you can get up and take a step forward. Yeah. Like you can move down the path. Even if you don't know exactly what to do, there are others nearby that, that, that might. And to at least take a step forward, keep forward momentum. And I would say, so two things right now to put in front of you, by the way, and I don't know who is listening to this, but if you are in the mountains of a mental health crisis, okay. Uh, get help like immediately. Um, if you go to nothinghidden.org, okay, it's nothinghidden.org. Our friends, Jerry and Tracy Negrato are, uh, have, a, have basically declared war, a ground war against, uh, emotional, uh, unhealth in young people. And if you are in a battle for, uh, addiction for, for your freedom from addiction, 
Addiction is off the charts. Yeah. Uh, placeofhopeinternational.org. It's placeofhopeinternational.org. Uh, if you forget that, just Google Place of Hope, Columbia, Tennessee. It'll be the first thing that'll come up. But there is help for, in both of those places for you if you are in those mountains. And as a church, know this, at Conduit, that is something we are on the offense this year. We are not going to play defense. We are right. going to attack that gate of hell. We are going into those mountains yeah, with the guide. And I see I see Jerry and Tracy and Nothing Hidden, along with Mike and Bev with Place of Hope, as these outposts along this trail that are available for those that are lost on the hike. You know, they're lost on the trail. They're, they've got questions, confused, don't know what to do. There's outposts available. Yes. For rescue. Yes. The second one that comes to mind that should be no surprise to anybody of a mountain that I know we're already in the middle of is a political uncertainty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like no uncertainty in, in eternity. Isaiah, the prophet, he says the government will be on Jesus' shoulder in Revelation 22. It, when it speaks of the, um, the, the, those who are washed their robes, they have, they have the right to of the tree of life and they can go through the gates of the city. The city being Jerusalem, the city speaking of the government of Jesus, which is what is, it's going to be forever. Like that's it. And on the outside, um, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, everyone who loves and practices falsehoods. Like, these are like, when you talk about identity politics in general, cu you know, cutting everybody up into blocks, whatever, it's when you've made your identity, whether it's a Republican, I've made my identity and I, uh, a trans, I've made my identity homosexual, lesbian, I've made my, uh, as a, like a guns guy, like what, if that's, MAGA. yeah, yes, mega, that's idolatry. If, if that is my identity, if it's something I'm struggling with, if it's something that I'm intrigued by as far as politics, there are ways where you could do that where it's not your identity, but you know it when it's in your identity. And that's who doesn't get to go into the city because those are ones who want to bring with them their own identity, yeah. their own politics, and their own you know power. Mm -hmm. And that's going to be uh, not in the city. But meanwhile, here we are. <laughs> like we had an election. When was that election? Well, the election was the first week of November. For, for the United States <laughs> listeners, I, like if you're Canadian, whatever, you, we may not have been aware of this, but we had an election. So the first week of November. And I remember our first podcast after the election. I think it was on that Tuesday, actually. Uh, you like you know you ask who who's going to win the election, um, and here we are. Such a naive question. Here we are, the last week of December, and it's being contested now. Depending on who's listening, you you may have opinions about that, but the fact of the matter is, it's definitely being contested. It's absolutely uncertain which way this is going to go. Which, by the way, I think there's a lot of people that would think, wait a minute, uncertain? Yeah, perhaps. Maybe like, I'm I bet, being like, naive you know, about that, too. Well, I don't know. I mean, I, like the NPR guys would, would be like, what do you mean? It's uncontested? Like, Yeah, so... But it is being contested. It is being contested, and um, it's, it's, it's actually very complicated. <laughs> Big shocker, right, at this point in our, in our government. Fair, yeah. Um, but next Wednesday is the 6th of January, and that is officially, like we do every other election, this is no different... Um, that's when the electoral votes are counted, which then makes it official as to who won the presidency. This is what we do every four years. Um, I think it's, I forget how many days on the calendar per the Constitution. After the vote is taken, the electoral votes are then counted and it is made official. With the inauguration, 
X amount of days after that, I think it's 14 days from the counting of the electoral votes is Inauguration Day, which makes that January the 20th. This happens every election cycle. Um, however, this next week, which is January 6th, next Wednesday, um, it's, it's going to be an interesting day because there is there are um, those that are asking for those states that have that have fraud that have shown to have elector election fraud for those electoral votes to not be counted and to be discounted. Um, again, there's all kinds of constitutional law in play here, but there's there's a lot of. Uh, talk and there's a lot of senators, um, House of Representatives that are all leaning towards this idea, this concept of electoral votes being discounted. Are there people actually publicly saying this? Like the senators, like not yes, not like journalists, but like senators, like that are on the thing are saying, "I'm not going to vote for this." Yes, yes. So there's there's. The Sorry. the potential for I'm getting jumpy. I'm standing up now. Yeah, this is making he, he me super. This is making me nervous. He's standing up now. There's there. Sorry, Michael. Can you edit that out? Sorry. The the potential for this to get sideways concerning our American election is really high, higher than it's ever been, higher than it was in 2000, because that involved a single county. This involves seven states of which are all being contested right now as we speak. And no matter which the way the ball bounces, you're going to have 75 million people upset and looking for answers either way. Wow. I would just like to go on record as saying that I don't think if, if, if he, he being president Trump wins because of a vote in the Senate, I don't like that at all. Like that just feels does that feel gross to you? Um, no, because there's all there's all kinds of checks and balances that would lead up to that. There's there's all kinds of again, based on the Constitution, elements put in place to help protect a a fraudulent or um, a, a vote that was done improperly, and so. All of the things that are leading up to this January 6th date will have had to have checked the box for that to be initiated, for that for the launch code to be initiated, for Vice President Pence, who's the president of the Senate, Gosh. to make a decision on to discount electoral votes from swing states that had fraud. So in this vote you're talking about, the Senate has to vote for each state? Individually, or are they voting for the whole country, and then, and then if it's a tie, like Pence goes and, and breaks the tie like a normal Senate vote. There's there's that potential that that is an option depending on how this all falls. Okay, so today's Tuesday the 29th. This all happens on Wednesday the sixth. There is a lot that can happen between now and then. Well, there's that's true. If there's anything we've learned in this past year, like a lot could happen in a week. Yeah, I mean one one of the the easier ways to go about this will be if any of these seven states actually flip their electoral vote but, prior, which but four, is a possibility. But three or four of them have to flip for him to actually get take the... Yes. Right. So even if Nevada or Arizona or any one of them, it's not mm-hmm. enough, right? Yeah. So Nevada, Arizona, and Georgia um, 
in Pennsylvania, those are the ones that could potentially flip before the sixth. But one isn't enough, right? It has to be. Yeah. So the number was the numbers 270. Is that the number we're trying to get to? Yep. Um, and I say all of that to say one, I'm not a constitutional attorney and this is so someone gets seculate on the phone. This right? is getting, <laughs> this is getting into the realm of some serious constitutional law where folks are digging up stuff from the 1800s to understand oh gosh. how this works. This is unprecedented. Never in our American history have we come to this turning point, this potential pinnacle of decisions being made using our Constitution and parts of the Constitution that most people are unfamiliar with. Well, yeah, because we've never been. If there's one thing that I think that, uh, that our system, the, the flaw, well, there's probably more than just one flaw, but we're not very like if for a close election we're not made for close elections like this system we have yeah is not good for close elections right and i know that the argument right now is that there's seven million extra votes for biden in the popular vote so that's technically not that close but even that's still only like a 10 percent, 15 percent jump from uh the vote i i know that Whoever comes in January 21st, that it would be, it's going to be whoever God wants. You guys have heard me say that, and I truly believe it. But man, I would, I, I don't know. Unless like Edward Snowden walks out like with a smoking server that he's pulled out from like Hillary Clinton's crawl space or something that shows like here's where the votes <laughs> came from. Well, like, a lot it of would that, have to be super clear. Yeah, and so a lot of that already does exist. The challenge right now is that it's getting held up in court. They can't show those evidence without getting an actual court case. It's it's they're not allowed to. And so until a judge grants permission to have show calls and to show evidence, it's getting dismissed left and right. And the fact of the matter is, these counties that are being contested are in blue states, blue you know, blue counties with Democratic judges that are dismissing cases and it's just getting evaporated. That's part of the challenge. And so, like you said, unless there's a way to public make it public and surpass or usurp um, the court system, that's what it will take for well, folks to uh, see. Maybe that's what I'm saying, because look, Bill Clinton couldn't even be naughty, right, in the in the Oval Office without Linda Tripp finding out. Like this stuff never stays secret. James Comey, right, was well. Like, I wouldn't even say it's secret at this point. I mean, there is there is mountains and mountains of evidence. But, but that's what I so like. Bring it on. Like let's just ta da. You know what I mean? Like whatever her that, name is, yeah. Sydney Powell, just show up with the Kraken or Kraken or whatever. It is. But she can't. Like, now she would can't. be a good time. It would be a good time. But they're trying to go through the courts before they pull the the trigger. To go public. They're trying to do it in every legal, constitutional, <laughs> like trust the process, trust the system as it should be, like to go through the court system. Trump is trusting the process? He's trying to because be, <laughs> because for him to pull the trigger on something like the Insurrection Act, which would allow him the power yeah. to bring this in front of the entire American public is a pretty big leap in his authority. And so yeah. I, I appreciate his um, willingness to hold back at this point, knowing his character and kind of knowing how he does deals and, and, and makes decisions. He's being pretty reserved because he could exercise some of that authority and it would scare 
everyone. Maybe that's the part that I'm having a hard time swallowing on this because you guys, you know, you know me, my off-the-cuff comments about Trump. I don't really think he's the the nicest guy or whatever, but the dude doesn't have like an unpublished thought. Like everything he he farts ideas onto Twitter, like it's like just <laughs> uh, like steroid enraged, you know, Twitter rants in the middle of the night. So I'm just like, how is it possible that he hasn't yet? spilled the beans on this if he's got it because now is the time mm-hmm. you know because if not the time would be uh, well be he's good done to- a bunch of things behind the scenes that are setting up for what could be a major reveal at some point like he is he has changed his entire um cabinet as it pertains to intel his intelligence committee he has <laughs> passed an executive order a week ago about declassifying major documents across the board I mean, we're talking about a list of indictments, I think is up over 50,000 at this point that are out there that are being made public. Like there's, there's just so much happening behind the scenes that, yeah, the clock is ticking for sure. If they show up on, what what day is this? January 6th? Next week. Yeah. January 6th, next Wednesday. If they show up, like Mark Burnett has recreated the boardroom from, you know what I'm saying? That's hilarious. (laughs) And Trump shows up in there with with a couple of goons on either side of him to fire somebody. Yeah. That'd be, I can't think of a better way for his presidency either to start again or end would be in a boardroom from somebody getting fired. Here's what I know. I don't know. Like, this feels so much like a Haitian election. Yeah, it and, really is. I and mean, I, we're operating an election like a third world yeah. country at this point. And the, the thing is this, people on both sides of this issue can get angry about it. But dadgummit, I remember I was listening to NPR the morning of, I'm sorry, that's a confession I have to make. I love NPR. Uh, it makes me angry like half the time, but I still listen. They, both sides were setting it up for corruption. Yeah. Like when I hear these guys on the left right now saying, oh, there's no possible way of corruption, that is 100% not what you were saying in October. Like the day of the election, November 5th or whatever day it was, NPR, one of their lead stories that morning was talking about we're watching these ballots because we want to make sure there's no corruption. Like they were setting it up so that if this was reversed, right, that I, I don't for a second think that we wouldn't be doing this the exact opposite right now, that it would be the Democrats saying that we, we told you there would be corruption. We told you, and again, I go back to political uncertainty. We're in a place right now where which side do you pick when both of them are have, have proven, both sides have proven so far to say, like, I, when's the last time you've heard a major politician say, you know what, I was wrong about this. I should have done it this way. I was like, they can't because the talking points with it. So you mm-hmm. find yourself with our leaders right now will not admit they're wrong. So I, I promise you right now, if you're if you're thinking about running for a political office, one of the greatest things you can do would be go out and just say, you know what, I thought this, but now I was wrong and right. I believe this now. Because <laughs> that's what humans do, but right. that's not what politicians do. Right. And maybe that's why in Joshua five thirteen, when the Amorites and Joshua, the angel of the Lord appears to Joshua and Joshua says to him, are you with us or are you with them? And he says, neither. But I am, in fact, I'll read to you the verse. He says in Joshua five fourteen. but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. So I'm not for the Democrats. I'm not for the Republicans. I am for the army of the Lord. And then Joshua fell face down in reverence and asked him, what message does my Lord have? And this is his message, by the way. Take your shoes off. The place you're standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Right now, um, Mo and I could talk about this all day long because it's utterly fascinating. But at some point, we have to 
take our shoes off of the gross, the, the shoes that we're walking in, the Republican shoes, the Democrat shoes, whatever, and take them off because we're standing on God's earth, on God's territory. He, whoever's going to be there, we don't. He, he's not picking either side. Uh, are there political, are there, I mean, look, if, if you've ever wondered, are there consequences of an election, man, <laughs> the mayor, I don't even know who the mayor is of half of the cities I've lived in. It turns out in a pandemic, the mayor has a lot of power, right? Crazy unchecked power right now to shut down restaurants in Los Angeles or to put masks on us in, in Williamson County. Like we have county mayor. I don't think we had county mayors where I grew up, but their power is there. So should we vote? Should we, you know, there are consequences. I do believe that there are things that our elected officials do. But if we for a second think that they are the end all, the be all, and the savior of this, whatever it is on January 21st, uh, we are naive. Um, I'm naive if that's what I think. And so I want to take my Republican shoe off, my independent, my libertarian, all those shoes come off and stand in front of the Lord yes. um, saying, whatever you want, Lord, that's the, the side of the army of the Lord is what I want to be on. Yes. And the guide of the Holy Spirit inside of 2021 is whoever's the president of Morocco, whoever's the president of the United States, Canada, is who the Lord is. He's going to put the heart of that king in his hand. And then we're going to live as if he is our king, not Yes, Biden I, or Trump or whoever. I mean, I think we have to remind ourselves that we have to be, rem we have to remember that. I mean, yeah. we're, 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 as a society and as a country, um, we're about to, we are about to step across um, a, a time in American history that we've never seen, or we haven't yeah. seen in a very, very, very long time. In no generation that's living now. I mean, so we're going to see some things and we're going to experience some things that are going to be very new to us, regardless of what happens in a week from now. And we have to be reminded of where our allegiance truly, truly yeah. lies for the sake, for, for no other reason than for transcendent hope. Yeah. Cause can you imagine if, uh, if John would have told, uh, like suddenly I'm checking out the Holy spirit. Now it's just me. And I'm telling the people in, uh, Rome, Hey, may the you know the grace of the new Caesar coming in will get rid of Nero now, and the new guy will take care of you, because every one of them they're all dead. Mm -hmm. Like one of the best things I did was you walk into Israel and you pay ten bucks to walk on their grave. Like right. the ones who persecuted Christians are gone, but the grace of our Lord Jesus being our guide, He's still with us. Yeah. Two thousand years later, He'll He'll be with us through eternity, and. As fun and fascinating as it is to think through these things and the implications of them, if your blood pressure gets up a little bit, uh, it's a good place to look. Uh, and I'm speaking 100% to myself. I'm, I'm actually, I'm hoping that my my Apple Watch doesn't like blast my heart rate. I'm like, oh. it's so funny you say that because my up? <laughs> my wife and uh, my son and. Uh, his fiance uh, chipped in and got me an Apple Watch, and Aww, so I've got Micah. This, yeah, thank you, son. You're a nice young man. He uh, so so I've got this <laughs> I've got this thing on here. I have to keep watching it for my blood pressure to my my <laughs> heart rate to keep popping every time I read the you know turn on the, the Twitter machine or the news. Um, you're right. <laughs> it's like this good reminder of like, okay, you need to settle down. Yeah, just focus on what's the most important thing. 
Yeah, the Apple Watch turns out to be an idol hunter. It's like <laughs> when my if my hope is in something and and it's being taken away from me, my then my blood pressure goes up. up. Yeah, my heart rate goes up. Like I'm realizing, oh man, I'm like my heart rate. But I'm happy. To be, look, I'm, I can. It's not happening. Yeah, right now. I mean, my, I haven't had an alert yet. So praise I'm Jesus. Okay. Well, maybe hopefully it's not. <laughs> it's not. Look, we, we're we got to get. I'm sorry, this is fascinating to me, but we got to we got to get through this because it's important that these mountains are coming. The the next one that I saw. But I felt the Lord was saying what we we're going to have to be ready for is the economic instability, the mountains of that. In Eden, we're in the city. We, uh, the fruit, it continues to, the trees continue to produce the curse of man working and it not producing anymore. That isn't yet, right? The curse doesn't go away. And uh, the one thing that's happening right now in our country, I was just listening to it today. It was an NPR report that 12 million people are... Uh, behind on their rent payment right now. Or wow. Payment. 12 million. Okay, so that's that's families, by the way. Did they give any sort of perspective on what that normally is? Like, what's that number generally, like a percentage of... <laughs> no, of course they didn't, because it's not as scary if it turns out that it's yeah. normal. But but it's high. Yeah. It's a and, of and of course, they were making it as a... Which is true. I mean, we live in, uh, in an area right now where Spring Hill, one of the places that's really near where we live, has been bought up by large investment banks in the past 10 years. Like... One of the reasons rent is so high where we are is that large investment companies have bought up these properties. But, you know, I have a son-in-law and daughter who own three rental houses in Cleveland, Tennessee. You know, these aren't all people, like these landlords, they're not like these god-awful people. These are just right. people making, you know, trying to make a living and trying mm -hmm. to build a retirement for them. And what they're saying is that with this economic uncertainty, we've just kicked the can down the road. I was frustrating. They were like, they were saying, "Oh, we bought ourselves time." Like, nah, we didn't really buy ourselves time. Yeah. We just delayed the inevitable, which is, you know, L.A. right now. The homeless population has skyrocketed. Homeless population across the country, by the way, caused by they keep blaming it on the pandemic, but that's not fair. It's the policies that were You're put right. together for this pandemic. These are one hundred percent consequences of the way that this was handled, and the economic uncertainty. You know, in our city, uh, it's musicians, right. touring personnel. Industry, yeah. Yeah, we've already seen uh, friends of ours, dear friends of our church family that had to move, take jobs in other cities, uh, others that may have to. Right. Um, lots of them that are, you know, driving for Amazon, driving for uh, Uber and, you know, different places and restaurants that are just trying to stay afloat. The economic uncertainty is something that we desperately need Jesus to guide us through. Um, I would say he needs to guide us in a few ways. One is in our own generosity. Uh, I'm so blown away that we've kept the conduit open this year. We have fed hundreds of thousands of meals. We have been able to continue to free families from slavery. We've continued to, I mean, I said it was 800,000 on Sunday, but honestly, guys, it looks like it's going to be $900,000 that has come in this year for conduit mission, not the church, yeah. the mission. Yeah. So we want to continue that because, you know, in America we're we're diddle dallying over dilly, diddle dally, dilly dallying whatever, mm -hmm. dilly dallying over you know six hundred or two thousand dollars. But man, if you're in uh, if you're in Nepal right now, nobody's sending you a check. Right. Nobody's coming for you in Uganda. We get the chance to be the economic certainty in an uncertain world. And with these areas being impacted by policies mirroring what yes is happening in the u.s Be because of what is happening in the u.s they think 
Well, that's what we're supposed to do. One of my, um, something that's not being talked about a lot right now is, you know, back in March or April, uh, Haiti just decided, no, thank you. My Haitian friends, like, oh, we're going to shut it down. They're like, mm, nah, we're not doing that. Um, because they said, you know, 99.5% chance of surviving the virus, 100% chance of dying of starvation. Right. We'll take our chances with the virus. So they stayed open. And by the way, no major outbreaks in Haiti. No major whatever. I'm not saying that whatever. I'm, I'm just saying that, that For them. What, what they were threatened was going to happen didn't happen. Yeah. The problem was is that because of these policies in other countries, now their, their dollar is just out of control uh, with inflation. Wow. That's why we had to send down... Uh, I think it was 300 families that we ended up feeding over Christmas time, uh, multiple meals a day, 300 families. It was basically a thousand people. Wow. Uh, by the time it's all said and done, that'll represent about 40 or 50,000 meals that those families will have from them. But, wow. but their economic uncertainty is something we can be a part of there. And then look, when you talk about the, the, the grace of our Lord Jesus guiding you here, you know, there are people that um, you may not be. Uh, I, I think about the last time we had an economic downturn. We just started the church. You remember? I, mm. You guys were just here. Yeah. They didn't cover any of this, Micah, in church planning boot camp, by the way. We had just hit like uh, 120 people at the church. And I was like, oh, thank God we're going to survive. And, and nobody had left yet because they were mad. That was still coming. Um, but because of the economic downturn, uh, families began to move away. Like nobody covered that. Like, what are you going to do yeah. when they move? They moved to LA, moved to Louisiana, moved where the work was. Musicians were moving. And, but here's what I'm, I bring that all up to say that in hindsight, starting a church in 2010, I joked that it was one of the dumbest things I've ever done. Uh, it really was because we were still reeling from the economic downturn. I remember Mo and I having conversations about buying silver and like, what are we going to sure. do? And, yeah. <laughs> um, and it never once I thought, oh, man, this was really stupid to have started a church at <laughs> this time. We need money right now. What are we going to do? But God was faithful then. And one of the best ways to uh, let the Spirit of the Lord guide you through this future of economic uncertainty is, A, to be just open to wherever He's going to guide you. He might guide you to a different city. He might guide you to a new opportunity, 100%. But take some time to remember the past as well, the way that He has provided for you. Uh, I've kept that alive for us as a church. He provided for us in the past. He'll provide for you in the future. And if he is not, like you're like right now, I'm desperate and I don't have anything, it might be time to look at another opportunity. But let the spirit guide you. I mean, but sometimes the spirit is guiding you through yeah. your circumstances, right? Say, you know, I really wanted this gig as a bass player, but at this point, that might not be the future for me. Right. Um, that's okay. There are companies out there, our good friends at Dave Ramsey are hiring. So if you're in the Nashville area, <laughs> hit up. there are places out there if you're willing to let the Lord guide you through that. And for our friends that listen overseas, uh, know this, that whether or not your economic future uh, is what you want it to be, the, the future of Jesus with you is 100% certain. So that those mountains of economic uncertainty, the, the spirit guiding you through that is exactly what we desperately and you will need. And then the last thing is for us, and by the way, you probably got more mountains. I know there are, but these are the ones that were right in front of me that I know as a church we're going to have to navigate. But the fourth one is the medical, right? This pandemic, this health. We have people right now in our circles, in our church, our friends who are sick, some that are just out of the hospital, some that have been very sick, some that, like me, that had a head cold with it. Uh, 
but we're going to have to continue to navigate that. I mean, when <laughs> when you hear them say, because how many of these times have we moved the goalpost, right? We're going to 15 days to flatten the curve. And then it went from that to, okay, well, we're just going to make sure that we, you know, that we get the virus down. So if everybody just will stay home for a little bit, then you'll be fine. Then it was like, everybody wears a mask, you'll be fine. And then it was the vaccine, you'll be fine. And then just this week, they're saying, even if you get the vaccine, you're going to still be wearing a mask because you could still, I mean, most share that the, the who lady again, talking about that. It may not mean that you can't catch the virus. You could still be symptomatic with it, with even with the vaccine. Yeah, one of the directors of the World Health Organization is talking about, well, you might have the vaccine, but that doesn't mean you will be uh, asymptomatic or that, that you can't still spread the virus and that you should still wear a mask. And you, you actually might not even might even help you, might not even get the T, uh, T cells from it. And it's like, it was just... It was mind-boggling. We've spent billions, maybe trillions of dollars to get a vaccine that kind of works. Yeah, maybe might works. work. Kind of, maybe, might work is is some of the language now over this past few days that is starting to trickle out. And <laughs> you talk about demoralizing <laughs> at this point. Look, and here's what I would say. Look, the ramp up to nothing. There's a whole bunch of folks that are nervous about this vaccine, okay? Um, some that would fall all the way in an anti-vax category. Some that would be kind of where I am, which is, this is brand new technology, so would you give me a couple seconds to think about this sure. before? But if you're telling me that I'm doing this and it's literally not going to do me any good, there's that, like that's not exactly the news I'm looking for to get me over the line one way or the other to take this right. vaccine, right? Right. Or that'll be an annual or biannual shot, you know, depending on the strain, the, the thing that's popping up, obviously, now, if you're, anyone's paying attention to what's happening in Europe, specifically in, in England, Great Britain, you know, this new strain of the virus has that country completely shut down and locked down. I think that came out today that there's 58,000 tested positive yesterday, which was this incredible spike. And they're attributing it to this new strain of the coronavirus. I mean, it just keeps going. I mean, this is a mountain that's not easily traversed, it seems. It's not because the guide that we have wanted, some medical person to guide us through it. And, you know, I, 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 it made me sick to my stomach. If you did this, then I look at I'm sorry if I'm going to make fun of you. But in Fauci, we trust. Like that stuff that was going on and probably is still going on. Yeah. This guy just last week in the New York Times admitted that he moved. The, if he felt like the goal lines are like, I've thought that I've said it out loud. Like, why do we keep moving the goalposts? Like I just got to the end zone and now you just moved it. And then he admits that he has been moving it, yeah. but he doesn't say it in a, and I'm really sorry I did that. He was saying it, it was in a politically expedient thing for me to do. So, so basically what he just told us was I lied yeah. to you. For the I greater lied, good. For the greater I, good. I, for the greater good. I lied to you about masks. I lied to you about asymptomatic transmission. I lied to you about herd immunity. And now I'm supposed to trust you for this. Yeah. And, you know, God bless him. I, you know, that's between him and, and the Lord one day when he stands before the Lord. But again, somebody that knows about epidemiology apparently knows nothing about humanity. Because, I mean, again, you go back to the HIV crisis. Like I'm actually old enough to remember this. Like I was young, but I was old enough to remember uh, oh, Magic Johnson got it. We were yeah. all freaking out. 
but he back then, Fauci, a younger version of him, uh, lied again. Like we, yeah. we actually back then knew who was most at risk from it. And at the, at the risk, at the fear of we're going to harm a, a, a group of people because it's going to cause them to consider them to be dangerous, whatever, which was the homosexual community. Right. They decided they weren't going to say that. We're going to, everybody's at risk, everybody now. And so you're walking around thinking, I'm going to sneeze HIV. And what happened was, I think that, in fact, I know this, because if you look back on the history, before Fauci became politically correct, he was not politically correct. Yeah. And everybody from Vox to The Atlantic wrote pieces about this guy, how many people that he, how many lives that he took and risked in the homosexual community because they weren't telling the truth about it. They had they have known that it was the, they were right. at the highest risk. We could have then mitigated and helped and whatever, but they didn't. They lied about it. And it's like, oh, here we are again. This dude's 80 years old. Yeah. He's still lying to us. You know, and and part of the lie by the way is that if I'm questioning mnra technology, that now I'm a COVID denialist and I don't know anybody that's a denialist. We all know this is dangerous. Like nobody's sitting around going, oh, this is, well, maybe they are. Nobody that I know sure. is sitting around going, this is not real. This whole thing is a farce. It's a joke. It's a, we know that this is real. We know that real people are at risk from this. And we also know that the situation that we've been sold is not the way that it is, that we've been right. led astray on many things. And now I can't even question whether there's a vaccine. So my point is on this, if that's an uncertain mountain we're going to go through, right? Yeah. At some point, your old buddy Darren here is going to have to get to Uganda, okay? <laughs> right. And I'm going to have to decide, am I going to get this vaccine in order to get on a plane or not? Is it worth it for me? And I'm going to have to trust the Holy Spirit on it. Sure. Because I sure as heck can't trust, quote unquote, science. Science isn't a thing. Science isn't a person. Science is a process. We've had 10 months for this thing. There's no science yet that says whether this is going to work. Well, I say that whether they're going to work. They're already saying it doesn't even work. Right. It's already saying They've already started saying it. Yeah. So forget the, you know, the side effects, which is a legitimate question. But the lady from the who says it's not going to work. The vaccine's been out a week. Yeah. Or let me phrase that. They've redefined work, right? They've redefined what work means, which is you still have to wear a mask. And they've also redefined herd immunity. I don't know if you saw that this week as well. Uh, herd immunity now has been literally redefined per the WHO uh, to include a, a majority populace that has been vaccinated. Crap. Is now That's crazy. the definition of herd immunity. Yeah, which is George Orwell 101, the information of the Ministry of Information, right? Like we're, yeah. we've now created a new definition for a word. I, I know this when it comes to our health. The history of the church is this. Jesus reached out and touched a man who had leprosy, okay? Mm -hmm. Not only was that guy, quote unquote, unclean, he was dangerous to Jesus, and Jesus reached out and touched him yeah. and healed him. Yeah. Okay. Do we all go out and like cough in each other's faces? This is not what I'm suggesting. What I am suggesting is this. The history of the church throughout the plague, throughout over and over again, through Rome, when there was dangerous sickness and viruses, that when everybody else ran away from the city, when everyone else ran for their own safety, the church did not. Now, listen, this doesn't mean that we're just gathering because we're sticking it to the man. Okay, I'm not saying that at all. I am saying that in the future, whatever this virus looks like, we're going to need some Jesus people yeah. 
to risk your lives for the cause of Christ. Yeah. And I guess that maybe that's one of the ways to end the book of Revelation, right? Is that uh, if I think that I'm going to get back to my normal life, if I think back to the last 30 years of Christianity in America and the megachurch uh, industrial complex, whatever you want to call it, we sold and were sold this idea that there's this regular life that we have and that Jesus was like this add-on to the life. Like it was part of our life, but it wasn't our life. Now, if you were to go to China, those Christians would be like, what? Like that's, you, you thought that? You believed that? And maybe you wouldn't have said it out loud, but it's the way that you've lived your life. I went to church on Sunday and then I got back to my normal life. And right now, part of the way we're living our life is we're waiting to get back to quote unquote normal. And I don't know whatever normal is supposed to be, right. wherever we're going. But what we have to know is that Jesus is going to be our guide through that mountain. Um, we have this opportunity right now in front of us where the world is scared. The world is upside down. The world, uh, I mean, I, I, there's a fear everywhere. You can hear it in the voices of the news media. You can hear it in the voices of celebrities and of teenagers that have probably should have no reason at all if you're a teenager to fear the virus, but they're, but they're being told to be afraid. Mm -hmm. And we have this opportunity not to uh, seize the moment and try to squeeze in to get more power politically, to get our rights, whatever. But what we have is the hope and we have the answer, and that is Jesus. And that whatever we find ourselves in the mountains, that as Jesus, as our guide, we can invite others to go on that journey with us as well. And I hope that if you're listening to this and you're not a part of that right now, that you would consider joining us on the journey. Because by the way, you're in the mountains, whether you're with or without Jesus. That just is. Like this is, this is earth, right? This is us. Uh, I want you to be able to go with us when Jesus rebuilds new heaven, new earth. Uh, I'm more hopeful than ever about that. We need it now, at least in my adult life, more than ever. Again, if you're in Pakistan, you'd be like, what are you talking about? I've needed this for like, this is I started walking with Jesus. I've waited for this. Right. You know, in some ways there's a gift to us for that. And I pray that uh, those of you that went through this journey through Revelation, if the only thing you got from it was the fun of the politics of it, the fun of the whatever, you know, geopolitical, the who, whatever, if that's all you got from it, um, I would ask for the Holy Spirit, uh, you to let the Holy Spirit speak to you just a little bit more. Uh, because what we do get from it is that you uh, are the light of the world. That's what Matthew 5 says. Jesus said, I'm the light. But Matthew 5 says, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill. I think it's Matthew 5, 13, 14, somewhere in there. A city on a hill, right? You don't hide your light under a bushel. You are the light. Uh, we need that everywhere right now. We need Jesus people standing up to be the light, not fighting against a government. We're fighting for the souls of mankind. Mo, what uh, final parting thoughts you've got for us? I, I just, I'm just thinking of how Moses had to go up to the mountain ah. to see the Lord. And people mm. knew, people knew he had been with the Lord because his face glowed. Um, wow. Yeah. And that's just a reminder that, you know, part of the journey up the mountain is, is to be with Jesus, yeah, and 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 in that time with Him, others others will pick up on it. They'll know that you've been with Him, yeah, because you'll glow like Moses did. And man, can I just tell you, as someone who has hiked some mountains, you see some amazing stuff. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> like, like it's hard. 
like there are moments like, you know, whether it was in Oregon or Alaska or wherever, like, you're just like, oh my gosh, I'm a fat guy. I got to lose weight. I'm like, this is killing right. me. But there's a moment where you come around a corner or whatever and you look out and you see the creation and you think, oh God, man, this was yeah. worth it. And when I think to this last year, um, there have been moments where I believe, spiritually speaking, we have seen that. Mm-hmm. We've seen the the view. We had to work hard for it. We got we, There was battling against us for it. And yet when we got to certain spots along the way, we were able to look out and just see the glory of God uh, in new ways, in each other, in the world, in what he's doing. Yeah. Yeah, and I would and I would again encourage our our listeners like like I have the past probably couple months is, is just to continue to zoom out and and try to see the bigger picture of everything that's going on. Um, I do believe these next few weeks are going to be very interesting, perhaps troubling for some. Um, and just remember where our hope lies and who our hope lies in to not get caught up in that and rely on, um, other like-minded believers to lean into for fellowship, um, and to spend time in the word, truly seeking uh, the Holy spirit to speak to you during this time. Yeah. That's good advice. I need to take it more. (laughs) Um, that's something the Lord has definitely convicted me on when I get up in the morning. Am I reaching for the news? Or am I reaching for the good news? The good news, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. That's right. Somebody write that down. Um, and it's not that we shouldn't know. It's just that again, if I made it my idol, yeah. uh, as opposed to the the good, you know, the good news, like the word of God, so which is the light for us. So, here's what I know: 2021 is almost here. The next podcast, it'll be New Year's. It'll be a new year. Yeah, and we're getting ready to start a new series uh, at Conduit. We're gonna call it Triple threat I like it because of the three different categories of spiritual gifts in the New Testament we want everyone to know what those are and that you have access to all three of them mm-hmm. um, it's great if you can act great if you can dance right great if you can sing but man it's awesome when you can do all three and that's the spiritual gifts of the New Testament there are three categories and you could be a triple threat and that's what we want uh, not against you're not a triple threat against AOC or Biden or Trump, whatever. You're you're a triple threat against the kingdom of darkness because you That's are right. part of the army of the commander of the army of the Lord, not right. of the army of a political party. So God bless you guys. Um if you're in the Nashville area, we sure would love to have you visit with us here uh Sundays, 8 30, 10, 11 30. You can find us at conduitchurch.com. Uh those of you that made it this far into it. Your generosity this last year has been crazy. We're just so grateful for it. But you know, there's so much more to do, so much more. If you're considering year-end donations, contributions, know that uh, we would be honored uh, if you would trust us to be the conduit of your generosity, that we can use it to invest in the kingdom of God this side of heaven. So if you need prayer, info at conduitchurch.com. We have someone here that would love to pray with you. Uh, Hope you'll share this with your friends. Hope you'll Actually, someone will finally go and actually review us. It turns out that's actually kind of important, getting reviews. Yeah. I mean, if, if you mean it. If you don't, if, I'm not asking you to lie. <laughs> but, you know, if you, if you actually like it, maybe go review us on uh, wherever you're getting your podcast is so that other people can find this as well. God bless you guys, and we hope you will uh, keep listening uh, next week. Bye.